Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've heard that wisdom that's so important that you shouldn't ever pick a fight, shouldn't ever pick a fight that you're not prepared to finish. Don't pick a fight with someone who's bigger or stronger than you if you're not willing to go down swinging. Don't pick a a fight you're not prepared to finish. That's the mentality that Paul has in mind when he's thinking about what Jesus has done for you, for the saints in Philippi. Jesus has picked a fight with the devil, with the world, with your sinful nature. He's picked a fight, and he is prepared to finish it. It was not done haphazardly. It was not done on a whim. It wasn't out of a rage. It wasn't just a capricious idea. He intends to finish it. That's what he means when he says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That is what gives Paul the joy that he expresses in the entire letter to the Philippians. That's one of the characteristics of this letter. It's Paul's letter of joy. He really says, I am rejoicing. And then he asks the question, basically, do you rejoice as well? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And here, at the beginning of the lesson, at the beginning of the letter, we can see his joy shining through all of his words. It's with joy that he gives thanks to God for the saints in Philippi. It's in joy that he prays for them, for their faith, for their increase of love. It's in joy. And it's an amazing thing this joy that he has, because it comes even in the face of his imprisonment. Did you notice that? In verse 7, he mentions this imprisonment. Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians while he is in jail in Rome. Long after he's completed his missionary journeys, he winds up in Rome on trial before Caesar. And he's unsure at this point whether this time in prison will be his last, whether he's going to be released or whether he'll be executed. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But it is no matter to him. He doesn't care. He's writing this letter to the Philippians in joy, kind of like he did the first time he visited the Philippians. On his second missionary journey, he arrived in the town and he met this gal named Lydia, who welcomed him, who heard the gospel, 
who opened her home in hospitality, but Paul ended up in jail with Silas. And even there in jail, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the great astonishment of everyone who was around them. They were joyous in spite of their imprisonment. They're full of joy. One commentator that I was reading about the book of Philippians, he made this remark and it really stuck with me. He said, where under the sun can you find this kind of joy? Where under the sun is it possible except where faith is? Where the Holy Spirit has breathed his wholesome and creative breath. That's what's true of Paul, this joy. In the face of every kind of suffering, in the face of everything that the world would consider cursedness, Paul rejoices. And he rejoices because of this confidence that he has in Jesus. But notice that the confidence isn't even for his own sake. It's a beautiful thing. Paul isn't confident that Jesus is going to rescue him out of jail, that he's going to bust him free and he's going to be able to live his life again. He's not confident that he's going to live to see another day, but he is confident that Jesus, who began a good work in those Christians in Philippi, that he will bring it to completion. That confidence is precious. And it overflows from Paul. He has no doubt that the good thing God has done for these saints, he will continue and carry to completion. Notice what this means. It's not that the gospel comes to someone and they have to sort of try their hardest and Jesus will finish up the rest for them. It's not that the gospel comes to someone and Jesus says, look, I'll meet you halfway. You do your part and I'll do mine. It's not that you have to do 90% and Jesus will finish it, or that he'll do 90% and you have to finish the rest of it. None of that is true. That's the way the world thinks about good news. The best news you could hope for is that you try your hardest and it all pays off in the end. But that's not how the gospel works. Jesus is the one who began the good work. And he is the one who brings it to completion. He's the one who sows the seed, who causes the seed to grow, who watches it and guards it and takes care of it, nurtures it and feeds it, and then who produces the fruit in the end. Jesus is the one from beginning to end. He himself will see it through. And that is what makes Paul confident. That Jesus is the one caring for those saints. Think of what a thing it must have been for Paul to be a missionary and to plant a church in a town like Philippi in the middle of Greece where there are no Jews, there's no church, there's just pagan religion to see these people believe in the gospel and then to have to leave because he's called to go elsewhere and preach the gospel. Imagine the anxiety that he would have had over their faith, over their future. But he doesn't express any anxiety in this letter. He expresses joy and confidence in what Jesus is doing because the one who began the good work is also the one who's going to bring it to completion. What a gift that is. The only question, the only question is whether you trust him, whether you believe him, whether you also are confident that he will carry you through the storms and trials of this life, the suffering and the grief, whether he will give you joy like he gave to Paul. That's the only question. It's not whether you can hack it on your own. It's not whether you can withstand on your own. It's whether you trust in Jesus. That's all that is required of Christians. That's all that Jesus asks of you. He doesn't ask you to lift any heavy burdens. He asks you to take a light and easy burden. Let him do the work. It does not mean there isn't anything for you to do. And this is how Paul wraps up his greeting at the beginning of the letter. He thanks God for their faith. He thanks God 
for his assurance that the Philippians will be brought to completion. But then he prays. And he says that he prays for their love. That their love may abound more and more. And that is what there is for you to do. To grow in love. But Paul gets specific. This isn't the kind of love that the world thinks about. It's not just for you to have happy feelings about the people around you. But look at how this love manifests. It manifests in growth in knowledge and discernment. That is, learning who your God is and what he has done for you and what he calls good. Growing in knowledge and discernment so that you can approve what is excellent. That is, so you can approve the things that matter. That's what the word excellent means here. It means the things that actually matter. So that you can avoid being distracted by the things that don't matter, which means that then you can give what is good, what is precious, what is lasting to those whom you love and not give them faulty or failing or temporal things. Growing in knowledge and discernment so that you can approve what is excellent so that you can be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's often that we are pessimistic as Christians, that we think we're just going to struggle day in and day out and nothing is ever going to improve. That we're going to battle against our own sinful nature and we're always going to fail and we're always going to fall. And it's true to some degree. We're never going to be free of temptation. We're never going to be free of sinful desires. We're never going to be free of evil. And yet, Jesus is, in the course of our lives, making us pure. He is making us blameless so that with clean consciences we can stand before Jesus. Not putting our hope in our freedom from sin, but putting our hope in everything that he has done for us. He prays for their purity and their blamelessness so that they may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's the goal. The righteousness of Jesus bearing fruit in your life. When that, when that prayer of Paul is answered on behalf of the Philippians, they begin to look like Jesus himself. They are little Jesuses in their community. They bear the fruit of his righteousness, the righteousness that he gave to the world on the cross. They bear that fruit all around them to the praise and glory of God, which is what we are for. That's our purpose. That's why God created us, to praise and glorify him. All of that is wrapped up in Paul's prayer for love, that the Philippians would abound in love. That is what there is for them to do, and that's what the rest of the letter is about. It is for them to learn to love in joy so that they can reach the goal, so that when Jesus completes the work that he has begun in them, they can rejoice in all that they see around them, in all the good that he has done through them. So receive tonight, receive Paul's prayer, receive it as a blessing for you. May your love abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You can be sure that it will happen because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.